0: friends, we're so glad you could come back to join us for chapter five in this 12-part series where we're discussing the words of Jesus and the way that the teachings of Jesus might be able to help us evade and outfox religious wolves who come in the name of Jesus. This is about empowerment. This is about helping us to see how Jesus teaches a radically different way of living. And in this case, we're going to look at the ways in which it, it's gonna get a little difficult here mm-hmm. for us to, to be comfortable. It's it's going to be a little frightening. And the title we've we've given it is Be a Loser. Be a Loser, Luke fourteen, verses twenty-seven to thirty-four.
1: Yeah, so it says this is verse starting with verse twenty-seven. No one who doesn't take up his or her cross and follow in my way is able to be my disciple. After all, which of you, when wanting to construct a big building, wouldn't first sit down and budget to see whether you have the funding needed to complete the project. Otherwise, if you start with the foundation but aren't able to finish the whole structure, people will pass by and laugh at your debacle. They'd jeer. This dude started to build this tower but wasn't able to complete it. Likewise, what ruler, when preparing for a war with an enemy force doesn't first sit down with aides to determine whether their 10,000 soldiers will be able to square off against the 20,000 invading troops. If the ruler realizes he can't win, he'll send out ambassadors when the armies are still far off and request a peace treaty. Similarly, each of you who doesn't release your grip on all your earthly possessions is not able to be my follower. Look, everyone appreciates salt, but if even salt becomes bland... How can anyone bring its flavor back?
0: Lots going on there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And the main point here too is there's a lot of times where people might be tempted to sort of think that, you know, they're going to worship a God or some sort of deity thinking that there's maybe some social or material benefits that they're going to get from, from this, that somehow maybe it gives them special access to Mm. a God that who's going to like grant all their wishes. Um, But basically, I mean, ultimately when you're the way, what Jesus is talking about, if it could be a good investment, but to the world, it sort of seems like this is a, a bad investment that doesn't make as much sense. And if if we aren't willing to let go of what we are like hoarding, I mean, eventually, like if if you don't really understand exactly what what is involved when you're going to follow the way of Jesus, then if you start down the path and then aren't willing, can't keep it up, then it's worse almost to the whole message.
0: It's embarrassing to you. Yeah,
1: that if you if you were to start something and you don't can't finish it, and then you know how it, you lose your integrity, really. Mm-hmm.
0: And so he's saying, I think, take it very seriously. Don't just think that, hey, this this message that I've got is some kind of social club or some little fly by night operation where we're you know maybe shilling some interesting ideas. This is a this is a new kingdom.
1: Mm-hmm. This
0: is a new way of life and it's not going to be easy. And and sometimes when I used to hear that I would think it means it's not going to be easy because we've got to slog through all this hard work. There are some cults, for instance, that will sign you up and then you're making jean jackets at the cult or mm-hmm. you know you're you're going around spending all your your Saturdays just you know passing out pamphlets. It's not really that. It's that there is going to be some way in which it's it's going to destabilize the things that you used to use. As foundations, things that you clung to, that gave you meaning, status. You're going to have to let those go sometimes if mm-hmm. you're going to follow in his way. Well,
1: that's, and that's kind of like one of the, <laughs> sort of mentioned here, the foolhardy <laughs> way of Jesus. I mean, if you do value and worship money, power, and glory, this is, that's not what Jesus is talking about at all. Mm-hmm. And, and so to the world, this is a whole different way of being that could look very foolish. Um, it You might be walking away from... Money from your belongings and things like that, one of the things that 's nice is that the um, the next chapters that we 're going to be doing will go even deeper into what this looks like what are where this is like an overview of what it might cost you, but we 'll look into some in specific areas of ways that um, you know that when you 're living that way what that means but I think um, the other thing i've <laughs> i've noticed when I was younger, I used to think that. If you were going to, like, if you're going to follow Jesus, we talk about sometimes in the Bible how there'll, there'll be persecution. Right. <laughs> and I used to think that, well, we're so lucky that we live where we do, where we don't have persecution. I mean, it's true. We don't have guns to our heads, at least right now, asking, you know, people asking you if you're a Christian or not. But I actually think that when you're, the if you're living the way that Jesus is teaching, It's it will be difficult. Um, And if it's easy, I think you've got the wrong message. (laughs) And even in the U.S., you know, even if we don't have guns to our heads, because it's a whole different way of being that does the world just doesn't quite understand.
0: I'm not saying that Christianity and the French Revolution are the same message. They're not. But one of the things that happens and one of the reasons that persecution happens isn't that people care that much what you hold in your heart of hearts. They want you to comply with a system that establishes their power, glory, their reputation. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, during the French Revolution, all of the other monarchs who saw that there was this French king that is, is getting his wings clipped, that he is being brought down a notch. It wasn't that they cared so much about the French king. In fact, many of these other countries surrounding France had been at war over the years uh, you know, with France but they knew that what was worse was was offending the system as it was mm-hmm. offending what you know what kingship is and so the the way of Jesus is a deep threat it's not overtly political the way we think of it right that Jesus is a democrat or a republican but Jesus does bring a message that has political implications if you take it seriously it has implications for all sorts of things like where we spend our money in society, how we how we think about our communities, how we think about the poor, all, all sorts of things. And if we take it too seriously, what we'll find is that sometimes it's Christians themselves that are the ones who persecute us. And they might just persecute us by not giving us jobs or taking away jobs or not associating with us because we've been too radical with it. And I've seen a lot of friends over the years that that were persecuted in these small ways. Friends who were artists, musicians, speakers that lost some of their income when they really felt convicted, as Mm -hmm. Christians sometimes say, convicted about social issues, theological issues. And people outside the church didn't really pay attention. It was people inside the church that were the most aggressive in trying to put them down.
1: And they think that they have a handle on what you know, they have, they're invested in what they think this deity is or, what you know, what Jesus is all about. And when your version of it doesn't match up with theirs, then they can get mighty frustrated, right? Mm-hmm. So do you think that, like, with this message that it's about living a grueling life?
0: Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. And I think that that's, that's the sad part. Uh, we think of this idea of picking up our cross and following Jesus as something that's mopey and a drag, I I just got back from Dallas and there were a bunch of artists really was glad to have that conversation with them. And we were we were kind of reflecting on this idea that that my my friend Matt was kind of playing with this idea that that Jesus provides a way of being able to celebrate even in the midst of doom. Mm. Um, Not doom in the ultimate sense, but once you realize the world is temporary, isn't all that there is, then you can have a little bit more fun with it, Mm -hmm. right? Like, well, this this stuff that we have, it's not to not be enjoyed, it's to be enjoyed.
1: You can enjoy it and not hoard it. You share it. You you live life sharing with each other, um, you know, partaking of what it is to be living, to be in this life, right? And
0: it's not, yeah, and it's not that there won't be some cases where people will have really horrific lives because they follow the way of Jesus, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. It's just that we need to be willing to give up those things that keep us comfy, mm-hmm. if need be, for the sake of the kingdom.
1: But it's not specifically any kind of taking about poverty or anything no. like
0: that. And it's not, it's not like you need to do these things to get points, to earn your place in the kingdom. It's just the idea that the kingdom will be persecuted. Yes. You know, it's like, it's like a, to be a gypsy... And that's a that's a term that that has some negative connotations. But you you know these the, the Romani people mm-hmm. that were were known as gypsies, falsely so called because they were they were said to have been from Egypt. Mm. They've traveling around Europe. The problem with the, these people was that they didn't fit within the society as it was the society that had been established. And so people that are outside of that system are viewed with great suspicion. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, because they're outside of the society, of course, in their, in their case, they might um, kind of have questionable means of, of getting, you know, making a living, which isn't because of who they are racially or, or mm. ethnically, but because they've been excluded. You know, from the mainstream society.
1: And I think we'll talk about this a little bit more, but we felt a little bit of that even before traveling. Like, who are these people? They're not from here. You know, sometimes we've been in a town or whatever, and they can tell that we, you know, we have California plates as well. So,
0: right. Who are these outsiders? What What are are they they doing? But in that sense, you know, I really think it's important that we realize that one of the reasons the early church was so concerned about the poor is that some of those poor people were people that had given up a lot Mm -hmm. because they had lost something because of their faith. Right. Right and so we're helping each other to be ethical to to stay on the way of Jesus when somebody says, you know, I can't perform this profession anymore. Right. Because it it's well, incompatible I think if, with my faith. Think of in
1: the Bible, what about the tax collectors if they, you know, if Perfect they example. were if they found the way of Jesus and realized, wait, I'm going to stop, you know, taking advantage of the people." Um what were they going to do for a living? You right. know, they got to
0: find a new line of work. Yeah.
1: You got to figure that out. So. so we
0: help each other out. Yeah. yeah mutual so that's, support. that's part. That's, I think that's part of it, right? Taking up your cross is going to be whatever those sacrifices are as we let go and we shed the things of, yeah, uh, the, you know the false religion of the
1: world. Well, we have a section that says basically that the the cosmic battle is actually it seems it often seems mundane, mm. um, and that it usually involves a series of smaller compromises. It's not always this big like you're going to walk away from you know your your house or your job or whatever necessarily,
0: or your life. You're not always going to be executed for it or something. Yeah,
1: know? and we we see this a lot in, in with artists, right? Mm. As they're doing their work and maybe. You know, maybe there's somebody that is going to give them money if they just you know tweak this thing or whatever, or draw you know whatever, or, ch- or change this part of the movie <laughs> mm. or this book the way it ends. They're not happy with it, right? And then the art loses its integrity eventually.
0: And we call it selling out. Yeah, we can see it in in music. People that are exchanging their integrity for the ability to be musicians. It's a very hard. It's a very hard question. Like you said, it could be films. But in many ways, we're always walking this this delicate balance of uh, patronage—people mm-hmm. that are that are helping us do what we do, uh, commerce ha- having an opportunity to make money to h- help feed our families, but also to perhaps serve our neighbors. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when you say it's 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 mundane sometimes, or it, it seems mundane, uh, these little things matter though. They accumulate. So it's you know, God doesn't care that much if you if you make more of a pop album instead of your indie album or a commercially successful film versus not so much more of an indie film. Mm -hmm. But when you get down to the, to the very questions of life itself, there's some point along that way that selling out really means selling your soul for the sake of gaining earthly goods. Right. And so we, you know, you can't know where that is very easily. But it's a real thing. And that's where the persecution tends to come.
1: Right. And so when you are going to follow the way of Jesus, you do need to think about all of the costs that truly are involved. It could involve income. It could, you know, there's it could be that you do need to change a job. You know, there might be some eth- unethical behavior going on. And that, you know, that that means that you need to start making some decisions. To you might have to
0: leave a whole industry.
1: Make changes. Yeah. Um, but I think what Jesus is also he's inviting people to do the right thing. Yeah. Right <laughs> and to have integrity yeah and but that does come with a cost, mm-hmm. and what you 've heard that you often i know in classes that talk about like the beast or the antichrist mm. like what, what do you tell your students um, about that
0: well that 's you know lately the reason we on the show and in and, and general i 've liked to use the language of molech is that it 's something that was more recently. Kind of picked up by poets like Allen Ginsberg and philosophers like Bertrand Russell, but really the the biblical image in the Book of Revelation, which is you know kind of a weird one, I don't I don't go to it very often, but I do I do think it's a helpful image. This idea that the beast is the system, and I think it's at least from my understanding of things, my interpretive tradition, um, it's not something that's coming. So when we grew up, we were at a church where. We thought mostly the book of Revelation or the Apocalypse of John, same book. The last book of the Bible is basically about something that's coming in the future from now. It has something to say about that, but in many ways it's, it's an eternal question, and it's certainly a very important first century question for people who are followers of Jesus, and that is, do you want to take the mark of the beast? Do you want to enter into that system that will allow you to buy and sell, mm. right? Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll help you to be successful, but will compromise your true allegiance. That's really what it's about. The beast is Rome, but the economic system surrounding Rome, it's that system of of tax farming, of exploitation of non-citizens. I mean, you, you even have to this day, the reason that the English are, are so important around the globe in the empire, when when the British Empire happens... We, we sometimes forget that, that that was able to happen because of the slave trade.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, fortunately, the Brits
1: yeah. end
0: the slave trade before the Americans do. Be, you know, It um, takes us a long time, actually, in the United States. But make no mistake, the power, the prestige, and the wealth that allowed you know, Britain to bypass other countries in terms of uh, its military power was funded by a lot of the work that was done in the New World, in the United States through slavery, so you'd say it's not just something that happened in the first century, and it's not barcodes on our arms or you know our, our iPhone, our iPhone, you know,
1: our credit cards feel a lot like it though.
0: <laughs> it does feel like it because it is part of it, right? The beast is is just the system, mm-hmm. and we need to be able to detach from the system um, or or consider it um, stepping out of Babylon, right? Uh, but it's hard. Yeah. But then Antichrist then is something that is not just against Christ, but is something that represents one who is in place of Christ. Off- offers an alternative mm. to the way of Jesus. So it's not like some being, yeah, some some this e- e- evil like wicked being that's just trying to eat babies. It's it's as bad as that. <laughs> but it has more to do with this idea that there is there is a a spirit. Or a, a way of leading people astray that is not the kingdom of God, but a very different kingdom. The mm-hmm. kingdom, really, to use another phrase, mammon. So it serves the god mammon, wealth, and that sort of thing. And so, and so, I think it's it's really clear that that the book of Revelation says you will be persecuted, and there's an economic element to this.
1: Mm-hmm. And in in your religious group, I mean, is it about? That you have to you pay your dues or gain some sort of um, merit points or whatever to get to heaven. Yeah,
0: no, no, no. It's 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 that in a way you'll be free. Yeah. If you follow the way of Jesus, there's a relief that can come from that, but it's not immediately apparent that that's what it's going to be at well, first. It seems pretty terrifying. And
1: if you're willing to let go of your earthly treasures, I mean, there's so much less that you having to worry about, right? Mm-hmm. I mean if you're worried about people, you know, taking or using your stuff, you know, mm-hmm. all the time, that that there's a lot of energy that goes into that. And when you can just let it go and it's all right if, you know, if if I don't have this thing anymore or whatever, then there's way less i guess convoluted stuff in your life, mm-hmm. right? And and way less energy that needs to go into preserving what yeah. you have and can go into doing something that is life giving you know
0: i was riding a horse through the the coffee fields of uh, guatemala near antigua and we were some students and we were kind of checking out what what what's going on here with the the indigenous folks who are or picking the coffee and then these folks who descended from wealthy spanish powers mm-hmm. and the the folks who owned the coffee plantation lived in a magnificent palace, but from the outside, it looked like a prison. It had, it had security cameras. It had all this barbed wire. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: even then sometimes a helicopter might come in and try to kidnap somebody in the family for ransom because they had amassed such wealth. So in many ways, being fabulously wealthy is kind of dangerous. You need to have, you know, you need to have more of a security system. Whereas when we're kind of cruising through, uh, somewhere that might normally be seen as a little sketchy for folks. If we don't have a lot of stuff on us, if I'm not wearing a watch, and, and like I, I mean, guess people could they could beat us up or stab me if they want, but there's not really a, a reason to, yeah, because <laughs> right, there's right. nothing to yeah, steal, not right? Much, yeah. So
1: the payoff isn't, yeah. <laughs> isn't going to go very well for them. But, but
0: I think Jesus, yeah, Jesus is inviting us to that where where it's for us to follow His way and not be manipulated. We can't be clinging to these things that are uh, false. And you know, there's that <laughs> famous. Line from Bob Marley. He says, "Some people are so poor, all they have is money." Yeah, and and I think that's. I have that as a
1: little pin on my. Oh, did you you
0: get that? Oh, yeah, yeah, we we were up in the 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 hills somewhere, and Mm -hmm. it was a little little curio shop. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's funny. I I think that was from him.
1: Yeah. Well, now what? I I see something similar here with baptism. Yeah. And that uh, with baptism, there is a a physical, very real way in which we are. Showing that we are being set aside for a different purpose, right that we aren 't going to do things the way of the world, right that yeah that it actually is a mark you know it 's a mark it's a it 's a way of and and I think similarly um, you know sometimes the Protestant churches will even do like dedications and mm. stuff for their children, and that kind like of
0: Baptists who don 't do baptisms for babies
1: right that I think that the, there is this way in which we want to. Mark ourselves and our children for you know being of a different way, but we have to think about what does that really mean. You know, what does it mean when we are set aside that we are not going to be of the way of the world?
0: It's a different kind of citizenship and a different kind of kingdom. Yeah. I think we, I think baptism has has been sometimes misunderstood, or more importantly, it's become something that has divided people. Mm. And for our, for an outsider, you'd say. Boy, the debates about that little ritual—should you dunk somebody? Should you sprinkle them? Should you, you mm. know, should you do it in a river? Could it be in a bathtub, a jacuzzi? Can
1: you do it to a baby, or do you have to be yeah, an adult? And, right. You know, have to make a decision.
0: Those are all really important, but, but maybe not as important sometimes in the big picture. The part that's really important is this idea: whether you think it's somehow a means of grace, like Lutherans, or it actually kind of does something that without it you might go to limbo, you know, or hell if you died without it in the in old Catholicism. Or for Baptists a, a sign mm-hmm. that you're pledging. Each of those cases, regardless of your theology of baptism, is I think underemphasizing something that was really important in the first century, to your point. That by getting baptized, you are marking yourself off or you're marking a child off as being of a different kingdom. Mm -hmm. And that has important implications for life. And then the community gets together and says, well, we're going to sponsor this person. We're going to be looking out for this person. What that originally would mean is that we are with you parents, and you're with this child in this very difficult process of trying to navigate life without becoming a a, a thorough servant of, of Molech, Mm -hmm. of the false God. and, and I think that because we're so worried so more about the ritual and the style of the rituals, we forget that that this is much more important. This idea of baptism much more important than a, a just a little ceremony. Yeah, you know this is this is something that uh, is dangerous, and in many ways, you know, we've known people. We we talked about it on the first first chapter, the show we did on the first chapter. We're getting baptized. Led our our friend Knox to be essentially excommunicated from her village and her mm-hmm. father and the, the, whole, the whole town in South Africa. Um, and likewise, I know, uh, for instance, a, a friend of mine in, in Japan, uh, Michiko. Um, Michiko is kind of interesting in a couple of ways, very uh, very bold in that in Japanese society, it's often very difficult for women to be respected in the workplace and almost impossible given social pressures to be both a mom and a wife and a person that works. But more surprising to me was how much pressure there was on her even though she had developed an interest in Christianity and had studied Christianity and probably believed Christian things. Mm-hmm. It took her several years to get baptized because of how significant it was that she was breaking from her family tradition right. and how much persecution in a very real way even if it just means you know, you're not coming to the next holiday or you're going to come and you're going to get hassled, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on you not to get baptized, but not a lot of pressure for you to believe something. (laughs) So her parents don't really care if she believes in this guy named Jesus, but they do care if she affirms this other tradition through this,
1: this ritual. Yeah. Baptism. Yeah. 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 Um, One of the things too and I know we've already done a whole podcast on it, but the farm, right? It's yeah. sort of... The that, farm in Tennessee. Yeah, the farm in Tennessee. And and that was sort of kind of, I guess, in a, in a way, a failed experiment of trying to live in perhaps, I would say, kind of a utopian type life of yeah. trying to allow everybody to exist together um, in this community of mutual support and, um, you know, to be able to you know be in a community that is outside of the, the, the main world and it right. functioned in a whole different way where they didn't expect you to have to do certain chores and things to be a part of it and yet you were taken care of. But then they realized that they weren't able to sustain uh you know that they weren't able to keep everybody fed properly and things like that without mm. uh you know sort of changing the way they were, were doing things. Yeah well
0: how did they change it?
1: They ended up where people had to get their own income, and so if you had income on the farm somehow, then you could continue that. If you, you know, needed to find income, you know, through either out online or by traveling sometimes or whatever to speak or whatever it might be, you had to get outside income uh, to support yourself. So you you did need to take care of your pay for your own stuff
0: through participation in the system. Yes. Yeah, that's where that's that's why yeah, it's I difficult, get, I right? See what you're saying, yes. Right, because because yeah, you
1: had to go back to yeah, making yeah. money of some kind and being yeah, the way of the world, and buying the, a house, yeah. that kind of stuff, right? And
0: the reason this is this is kind of sad is because we're saying the teachings of Jesus say we need to to let go of that, but it's almost impossible to. Mm-hmm. They tried, they tried in every way this intentional community to live kind of like the church in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Where they're sharing everything, it's this commune, literally, mm-hmm. and um, and it and it. I think it could conceivably work if you had a, a grander scale and maybe a network of these these communities, but it's sure not easy.
1: And I think the the, the point about that too is for us to have compassion on ourselves, you know, because. Yeah. And I mean it's really hard to be completely free of yeah. the ways of the world, right? Uh but the
0: entanglements are everywhere.
1: Yes, but as Lao Tzu well, you know says that what a journey of uh it says the journey of a lifetime starts with a single step. Yeah. Um, you have to start somewhere with something small perhaps, um, if you want to make change, mm-hmm. right? But you, if you just look at the whole big picture and and, and think that you you know everything has to <laughs> be switched up right away, mm. I, I think that will set yourself up for failure right
0: The main thing is by at least having in mind the idea that you're not going to take, what they've got over you that seriously yeah. allows you to at least be aware of the way that you might get manipulated by false values yeah, and do and, the best you can.
1: And I know in the Dao De Jing, one of the things, it's kind of an idea there too, is if you're living beneath your means, right, then you can then free yourself from right. from that kind of thing, those kinds of entanglements. At that least you, you can have be more as free choices. as possible. Yes, Let's you have right. more choices.
0: And that's really, yeah, that's the whole point of it. Jesus is going to say, you know, be... Be ready to walk away from things that aren't helping you in your in your following of mm-hmm. this different kingdom.
1: Now, one of the things, <laughs> I, in, the, when, in reading this verse, when it talks about how uh, we, to build a foundation and not be able to finish the building, yeah, <laughs> in our in our property that we have, uh, we have what, a few acres or whatever, but there is a very real example of this. Mm-hmm. Would you, you want to tell the story?
0: Yeah, in 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 our little piece of land there, which we're we're trying to figure out how to develop it, it's partly agricultural and partly, you know, we could put residential property on it. But the thing that's weird about it is that as we as we were looking into the history, and and one of the things that really makes it a romantic spot is that this was part of a homestead by a guy named Levi Stone. And in 1887, this guy Levi Stone comes from Rhode Island and comes to you know, Southern California, San Diego, free land. And the, the homestead prog- program was if you were able to work this land and do something with it. In in his case, he put an apiary. He had bees and mm-hmm. he, he got a whole bunch of honey. And if you could do that, then that was good for the development of the nation and and for the settling of these areas. There's, there's not too much history um, apart from the... The real fragmentary stuff that we get for California uh, Native American history, we we can kind of recreate some of it, but we don't we don't have a ton outside of the the missions. So we know about the missions of the Spanish that go up and down the coast, but in terms of kind of fun history that you would have in New York or Boston or Philadelphia, you, you don't get that as often, mm-hmm. right? And so we were just so excited because this little nook out of the way is is down into this valley, and it's really surrounded by a lot of deserty kind of area but in our little spot we've got these big oak trees and we've got the be- the best part is the stream stream so we've got a little bit of water that comes year round now that plays into this because you know it wouldn't be the first time that people have fought over water.
1: Well, and from an aerial view, you see the the, the follow the green trail, you yeah. know, of the green trees and stuff that are and all the life that is surrounding the water.
0: If you're just listening and you're not watching the video, go go to protectyournoggin.org and you can see a couple pictures, both of the history of this and and what what our property looks like now in some ways, uh, or what our property looks like now these days. Uh, and it's really green, right? Now it's mm-hmm. not always green. This is a particularly good time of the year. But here's the key: so Levi Stone goes down there. And he builds a little house, and he puts up a couple little sheds so he can have his, his honey. He goes into San Diego, and when he's there, he uh, he finds that he can't sell his honey for very much. So he puts it all on a train, fills up a whole boxcar, ships it back out to Delaware, makes a bunch of money. He gets permission to be gone, but the deal is if you're going to homestead, you have to stay on your homestead. When he gets out to Delaware, he gets sick.
1: Well, you'll, and you only have so many months you can be away from
0: property. Right. So he he gets sick, and he is too sick to return on time. He sneaks in, maybe a couple weeks late. But as he gets back, he finds that his house in this this place called uh, Musa Canyon is is being occupied by squatters. And there's a there's a whole family. I can't get into to everybody who's <laughs> there, but some of the some of the folks are absolutely hilarious. But and he he shows up to the house, he knocks on the door, and there's some dude with a peg leg that comes out. Yeah. And it's this guy named, no joke, Pe- uh, Pegleg McConaughey. <laughs> it's
1: like, you can't even write this stuff. Like, it's hilarious. I
0: mean, if your name's Pegleg and your last <laughs> name is McConaughey, that's just great. So Pegleg McConaughey comes out with a shotgun and he scares him off. He says, get out of here. This is my property now. And Pegleg's extended family is living there at this place. Well, then. Levi Stone says, I got I to gotta get this guy evicted. So he goes to the Justice of the Peace, and I love his name, uh, Justice of the Peace, W.H. Dinwiddie <laughs> of uh, Valley Center. And so Din, you know, Justice of the Peace, the, essentially Sheriff Dinwiddie, is then going to find a way to get this writ of eviction. Now the problem is, it, as it turns out, that he did not have the jurisdiction to do right. this, it was nor from the wrong county. yeah, nor did the judge that he got the writ from. So he gets the eviction notice, but he gets it from Temecula County or Temecula, which is Riverside County, and instead of San Diego. Our properties in San Diego County. There's a you know about uh, 160 acres at the bottom of this uh, of this little valley, right? Well, uh, and of course they wanted this because a lot of folks are having a hard time drilling wells. If you go up up high on the Uh, on the property, above our property. It's a lot of cliffs. But it's it's a lot of stone, and you you would just have to drill too far down to get water. So this is a a pretty prime little spot. But anyway, so Dinwiddie goes over and gets Constable Don Doc Breedlove. Doc Breedlove is the name of the constable. (laughs) So you got Sheriff Dinwiddie and Doc Breedlove, and they're going to get some folks out. So they knock on the door, and Pegleg McConaughey says, I'm not going to leave. You're going to have to bring an army. So they realize this is this is trouble. So they go and they get no joke. They get a posse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I mean, come on. There's a posse <laughs> uh, a, a, and, and an old in an old gunfight, 1880s. And so they they go out there and they do this. And uh, some of the names here uh, are not as not as interesting, but Stockton Reed and James Stone Levi's brother and all these folks. They all they all come together. Uh, also, constable uh, De- deputy constable Arch Friedman. All right, so all these people are showing up. And they get out there, and there's this elderly lady named Mrs. Going, Peg Leg McConaughey's mom, okay? And then Percy Going, and uh, then this other gal, Jenny Bunham, uh, Burnham. So th- the posse's going in there, and they tr- start to try to take the stuff out of the house. But Mrs. Going, the, the old the old cranky lady, jumps up on the, the, the trunk that they're taking and starts screaming, and the posse members are trying to get all the junk and stuff out into the front yard. Well... Pegleg goes to a nearby cabin and he comes out with a revolver and um as he comes close to the house he sees that this is going on and Pegleg shoots this guy Reed and he and he falls so so this farmer who was uh, they said he left his plow in the furrow mm-hmm. um is the first to go down and and they, they think he's dead. But uh, in any case, there's all this stuff happens. um, At one point, somebody, you know, uh, butts somebody in the, in the head and then the bullet flies off and bounces off of uh, somebody's head. I also love
1: love this part. Where is, where is Levi? (laughs)
0: Levi stone is hiding behind one of the Oak trees, right? He's a, he's an English professor. I mean,
1: it's not really funny. No, but I mean, you know, he's not,
0: he's not Wyatt Earp at this point. He's the professor kind of guy. He's the, you know, He's the teacher. And uh, I, I'm really interested in, in looking into more of this. What's really fascinating is even though this is our our, our properties in, in San Diego County, uh, it's right down the road here. I just found out today that all of the archives that I'm going to go look into this summer from from the family are in UCI. That's cool. Yep. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Anyway, but the main thing is, because uh, the story is getting a little long, but it's a fun story. I like the story. Um, in any case – a, a gunfight happens that ends up having more people killed on this little property than were killed at the O.K. Corral. Now, that's chapter one. But chapter two then comes, uh, after a lot of these people have, have died, there's a guy named Isaac Frazee. Now, Isaac Frazee is like this kind of John Muir kind of guy. He's a poet. Mm-hmm. He is somebody who's going to work for the post uh, post office. But he's, he's trying to find work, but he really just wants to be an artist and a poet. You, you can't make a living being an artist and a poet. So as we say, you got to work for the man. Well, I just love this guy. And I, again, Isaac Frazee's diaries and some of his artifacts from his life are in boxes just down the road. I mean, I almost yeah. want to maybe go after him <laughs> after I edit this thing up, right? Anyway, so Isaac Frazee, he goes into the, to the property and, he, and he, he's an artist for the police department. And he's drawing the crime scene. Mm-hmm. And he comes across Levi Stone and he says to Levi Stone, Hey man, you know, would you consider selling your your property? And mm-hmm. and Levi says, Yeah, because at night I've been hearing the ghost of Peg leg clonk, clonk, yeah. clonk. And oh, that's of untuttling. course, maybe it's not a <laughs> real ghost, we're we haven't heard any ghosts ourselves, mm-hmm. but the idea is that he just—it it was not something that he was comfortable. Yeah, he just. Being I think there was just
1: bad blood connected yeah, to the property at that a point. Literal, <laughs> <a> <laughs> yes.
0: literal bad blood. Yeah. So Isaac Frazee and he, and he ends up buying it because it's so green. He said he'd never seen. Uh, in, his, in his diaries, he had never seen something so beautiful and green. Well, what he does, this is, you know, in the late 19th century, now he brings all of his buddies down in tents. And they have parties on the weekends and all of his artist friends, mm-hmm. all these, like, bohemians from the 19th, 19th century, late 19th century in San Diego County. And ultimately, that's kind of why, you know, what we've been having fun with, yeah. although the county is not always entirely excited <laughs> if we have a circus tent up. So we took yeah. our circus tent out. We, we just did it for the sun the, the 's a birthday. Yeah. But anyway, then he's sitting there having a glass of iced tea or whatever and over the hill comes this guy from Scotland. He was a hiker and he was parched and it was a, it was a hot day and he he, he needed something to drink. Mm-hmm. Well, he he says, look, there's I could see that there's a stream going through here. Do so want to get some water?" He says, "Yeah, we'll pull up a chair and let's chat." He says, "What do you do for a living?" Well, this guy is a professional uh castle builder.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And this is where this connects to our story. Yes, yeah. And he says, you know, I can't get a lot of work in San Diego making castles. And Isaac says, You know, I'm just the guy for you. I'm in the market to build myself a castle. <laughs> so he has this guy start building a castle, but then Stacey, you pick it up from here, what happens?
1: Well, he got one turret completed.
0: Yeah, think about like the the you know the like chess a, piece. Yeah, yeah. And you have
1: yeah, so you have one of those, and then you can he, see
0: pictures online. He runs out of money. Yeah,
1: and can't complete the rest of the castle. Yeah, so it literally is just a single turret, you know, yeah. castle essentially. And so then he had the other, like the main house, sort of been, <laughs> to be brought up against the turret. Uh-huh. <laughs> so now it's. This one little single turret with this other house just sort of, yeah. Went. I think it was
0: Levi Stone's house, they just picked yeah, it up and I think moved, it, moved it, moved it just right up against it, and then that'll do
1: right. And, and I don't think he was embarrassed himself of, of Th- that's his, the best part, right? His his castle, because but... he
0: counted the cost of mm-hmm. his life, I think he just had fun with it. It was mm-hmm. a piece of his eccentric art, but but, but it
1: is kind of interesting when you see it because mm-hmm. you're like, why is there a single?
0: Yeah, like, it's kind it, of it, comical.
1: It seems unfinished. And that's what
0: Jesus is talking about. Like, you know, if you're gonna build a castle, maybe you gotta figure out if you have enough funding
1: right. to, to finish do, the castle. The and I have to
0: say there's there's something to that in my own embarrassment because, mm-hmm. you know, partly, you know, I remember some of the some of the neighbors, I'm not sure, but it seems like maybe some of the neighbors might be a little resentful if we're if we're having too much fun down there yeah. when, you know, a lot of the folks around us have lost their farms. Because of the drought, Mm -hmm. because they didn't have access to well water, they were relying on municipal water. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of our neighbors have unfortunately had to have their avocado trees just go and they're dead. Mm -hmm. Um, But... uh, but it was embarrassing when one of the neighbors, who wasn't necessarily a big fan of me, had to watch me taking down my, my tent because the county, uh, yeah. you know, County of San Diego said. Yeah. And in many ways, that's, that's kind of what Jesus is talking about. I'm not going to beat myself up about it, and we'll eventually build a proper you yeah, know, right, right, place right. on it. But I think going through all that work and not really knowing what the the county code was related yeah. to circus tents for a <laughs> weekend, you know, is well. just something that you know, it's, you want to prepare, you want to yeah. plan. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, listen, if, if you, if you're going to sit down to war or you're going to sit down to, to building something, you don't want to make a fool of yourself. Now let's apply this. Who cares about that stuff? Mm. Have fun making mistakes. You know, right. like our, our native American friend from Kentucky, Ron Rosensteel, who, who had his, uh, he called it Ron's, Ron's folly. He had a property mm. where he was, he had the catfish pond and all this, and everything was always not quite working, you know. Um, But that's okay. But the thing that's not okay is the spiritual move. How how would you put that? What's the application in terms of counting the cost and not making a fool of yourself spiritually?
1: Well, and I think, because if you lose your integrity... You really can't get that back. And I think that yeah. that's what Jesus is talking about with losing the saltiness. How do you get back the flavor if, you know, if, if the salt goes away from, mm-hmm. you know, if the saltiness disappears from the salt, then it's it's really worthless. And I think that the problem is, is that the amount of damage control you have to do when you are professing to say be of, you know, that of this system or whatever. And you can't you can't honor it anymore. You can't, you aren't willing to do what the difficult stuff is to be true to that calling. Then people, they, they're going to look at, at that example and say like, well, that must not be, uh, Jesus must not be a guy worth following. You Mm -hmm. know, if, if it didn't really make a difference or change you, why should I, you know, why do I want to be a part of this? And so it is important to take a full inventory to figure out, can I do this? And one of the things too is, and again, I I know I mentioned the Jing a little, you know, quite a bit, but one of the best things, if you want to follow the way that it is talking about there is just living it. They talk about how you lead by example. Um, And we kind of mentioned this a little bit with evangelism as well. If you want to go around sharing Jesus with other people, you, the best way to do it is for you to live in such a way that they're saying, what have you got? You know, yeah. I, I, I need that. I want that.
0: But not like not the way they taught us when we were kids. Like, well, you guys are really goody two-shoes. You guys are real moral and <laughs> yeah, straight-laced. Right, right. And so I want to be like that. No, that, that didn't work. It was more, how come you have hope in a world that seems yeah. that you can't dance?
1: Right.
0: How is it that you are able to... To think about others as if they're part of your family. What's the logic here? Mm-hmm. I think that's really what's going on. Yeah. But if you enter into it and you say, "Hey, we're against the system," and all of a sudden you turn instead of you know Christianity uh, as as something that is on the side of the poor, if you use it to exploit the poor, yeah. say if you're a televangelist who's just right hustling hustling old ladies and sick right. people for money, um, you know that's probably an extreme version of it. I think the thing that's more the more painful thing, the thing that I worry about for my kids, for instance, is that horrific feeling of having to compromise yourself so badly because you are afraid.
1: Well, and sometimes it's even our just our our, our need or want for security, yeah. you know, it, that we are fearful and we want to make sure that we're taken care of.
0: But those compromises can can look really ugly. So, you know, so somebody who is... Uh, an artist of integrity, when they sell out, people kind of, it's tragic. When a Christian says, hey, I'm going to follow this way of Jesus, but they actually start to pursue money, power, fame, wealth.
1: Just through the Christian system. Yeah. You know, they're there to sell their business or something and and use congregation members to- It's (laughs) kind of sad. Get their business saved. You're a real estate agent and that's your goal. You know, that just, there's something there where now you're just preying upon the people that are a part of this community, Mm -hmm. which- is 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 definitely um not good tragic, and, very and, tragic. and pitiful
0: and, and so and so i think jesus isn't saying you're going to go to hell if you don't give up everything and follow me he's saying if you really want to do this be very clear what what's going to be entailed. Mm-hmm. And don't halfway do it, because if you halfway do it, it's going to be more trouble than it's worth. It's actually going to be worse for you, for the message. It's going to be ugly. People will look down on you, mm-hmm. and you'll look down on yourself. So don't start it unless and, you're ready to go all the way.
1: And that inner struggle becomes a self-made hell. Yeah. It's, you know, it's in your notes. Oh, I
0: think so. Definitely. Yeah. You know? The musician who's not feeling great about their art, the the person who is part of, say, some religious... Organization or movement where they really wanted to be doing something good for the community, but they realize that they're now just they're in some kind of slick mm-hmm. something that t- that's really just making money. It's a horrible feeling. Mm-hmm. It's almost just better to go plow a field and then go home and, and love your kids and read books, right, you know, right. than to than to be on this other kind of track of of being part of the kingdom of God as a as a movement.
1: Yeah, and one last point I want to make um, regarding the Bible study is this idea too, if you're, if you're kind of wondering what's going on, there's the concept of qui bono and it Mm. is who stands to gain, right? If you follow the money, like figuring out what is going on here, why is money even at your church or in your family being put towards certain things, right?
0: Yeah. No, at at our college, there's a thing called qui bono, C U I, concordia university, Irvine bono. And it, it is, you know, what, who's benefiting. But, So if if you're a former student or if you know us or if you've heard us talking about it, it's not talking about that directly. It's about the question of following the money. Mm -hmm. And so there are very often times when it's hard to see what a nonprofit or a a charity or a donor is doing in politics or society because it's always very uh, indirect. And it's hard to also realize how that money is going to affect a university or a church or a parachurch organization or ministry because of, because of where the money's coming from and what that money is ultimately going to do, because what that money is ultimately going to do is preserve the source that got it going. Okay. So if it's a pharmaceutical company, right, that, uh, that funds something, it is true that you might want to take the money mm-hmm. to do some good work, mm-hmm. but it also is worth noting that there is going to be an interest there. If, if for instance I took money from the Lilly Foundation and and my whole thing was the the dangers and the evils of the pharmaceutical industry, I might not be able I might not be able to get that that grant approved. Right. And so it's not that everything that uses, we I've been a part of a couple really great projects that are that are funded by the Lilly Foundation. But it's also important to realize that the whole conversation will be skewed somewhat. Yeah. There are certain things that are going to be left out. The poor people have very few advocates. There are people that are politically correct or woke that that pretend to be caring about the poor. But but wealth has more money mm-hmm. to preserve the ideology that allowed that wealth to accumulate. Right. The poor uh, have have no natural way of having programs for research or politics and so forth right. that are going to help them. And so there's this way in which power continues to consolidate itself. Money continues to attract itself to itself mm-hmm. and the poor do get poorer because because of this phenomenon. And so I think one of the things that the church needs to do is to always ask, not just what what funding is there for the things that might be fun that I want to do, what funding isn't there mm-hmm. because it doesn't Serve. it doesn't serve the power and, mm-hmm. and the money to fix poverty altogether or to really raise up people to a level of great dignity there's n- there's not any real mechanism for that other than a change of mind about caring for our brothers
1: and sisters and I know we hinted at this before too, but I think that that is also the important p- part about the mutual support when you find people that you know maybe they had to give up certain things um, and and if there is a way that you can support them because they are in your your you know your church family, or mm-hmm. you know, or following the way of Jesus. Yeah. That you know, we want to look out for those folks that we can help, support, and you know, help them to continue what what they're doing. If if you believe in in the cause, if you believe what their life mission is or their goals, you know, mm-hmm. that if we can in any small way help that, then I think that's I think everybody will be blessed by it.
0: Let me give you one example for my own life. I had at some point gone to a conference on theology and economics mm-hmm. and I was paid to go a small stipend to be able to be part of this. I had nice meals. I had flights and I'm very grateful for it. I went because I wanted to make sure that I was a good, uh, good worker at my workplace and they were people that could fund my workplace or something we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make my boss happy. We want to make them happy. I'm interested in the conversation, so I go. But what did I find? I found a whole bunch of you know, Catholics and Protestants and Eastern Orthodox scholars all talking about their understanding of Christianity and why free markets and Christianity serve the poor. And there were compelling arguments and compelling statistics. But what I had to realize was the, the window or the, or the range of possibilities was going to be limited by the fact that it was money funding this conversation. Mm-hmm. So if, if at the end of it we all got together and we were researching and we said maybe, maybe these economic systems, the economic systems that helped get this wealth that funded the event, if it turned out that that was done in a way that was not ideal for society, mm-hmm. they're not going to necessarily want to hear that. Now maybe their intentions are good, maybe they're not going to... They're not going to beat us up, but they're not going to invite me back next time. Mm-hmm. So there's a way in which the conversation sounds like, well, we're getting multiple voices from around the world. Multiple countries are represented at this conference. But it's, it's this way in which for me to really, yeah, for me to really be totally, ab- not objective, but really critical about each of these questions of theology and money and power and economics and politics. If I'm going to be really critical about it, I have to realize that there were some options that are excluded. And if I go down those routes, I might not be brought back the next time. Yeah. So I'm going to lose a pos- yeah. possible position. And if I wanted to go the other way, if I wanted to be a real cheerleader for what they were talking about, they probably could have elevated me and I might be back in a future right. year doing a keynote for it.
1: Right, right. So which you could make money at right so right so
0: like i could make money
1: mm-hmm. by
0: talking about why jesus wants free market capitalism right. to exist mm-hmm. it would give me money in my pocket i could pay down debts i could buy a nice car right if i as a representative of Jesus as a professor at a Christian university am emphasizing these ideas now again i'm not saying what you should think about these ideas i just think that when we talk about protecting your noggin jesus is inviting us to recognize the implications of everything from research to our employment to our livelihoods in in the broadest sense
1: yeah well and i, and I think too it's another important point is when you look at what like what your churches are selling, even if it even if it's not about money, you yeah. know, because <laughs> sometimes they're selling a boatload of fear, <laughs> yeah. you know, to keep you there, um, and yeah. then and then indirectly, then could be about money because maybe they want you to tithe or whatever to help. Or support they're just their selling community. you entertainment,
0: and church is just the thing that you do to entertain yourself
1: on a Sunday. So just you know, what are they selling? Yeah, it's good to. Take a look at, you know, when somebody is offering you something, what is it that they're sa- selling? And is that something that you think is worth participating in and yeah. being a part of? And is that truly part of the message of Jesus? Mm-hmm. And I think that the good news is <laughs> that there is a hope and a, and a beauty in the message of Jesus. Yeah. And that there is a promise that all will be made well, yeah. you know, at some point.
0: Yeah, so it's not gloomy. Right. It's actually just a matter of faith. Right. It's a matter of faith in something joyful.
1: Yes, and then when you, can, when you can tap into that, that's where you find the deep peace upon peace. Uh, thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin Podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said that wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're
0: slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why?
1: Why? That's
0: because you found this letter low too much.